Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Titles in six years. Yes, it is for Jerry Ford. Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, site manager here at Second City Hockey, and I've got my two usual line mates with me for the upcoming season. First off, it is, well, not the upcoming season. I guess we're in the season now. I, it's, I'm still not into full hockey mode, I guess. Sorry. But with me is the analytic starling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. How about them Hawks, man? How about uh, them Hawks, man? Uh, me as as Mill and I were joking in the in the group chat. Oops, all Kubalik. Um, <laughs> I remind me we will need to share the uh, the Photoshop that Mill did. Um, yes, it is it is just delightful. And speaking of Mill, uh, he we're gonna. I don't know if we're gonna stick with this, but for now, we, for tonight's podcast, at least we will call him the man with more hockey sweaters than any sane person should have. It is Mill Savage. I, I do have quite a few. I don't think. I have more than some people do. So. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know what? I just want to say Shepard stole my line. I was going to go all oops, all Kubalik, but he came up with it, so he, <laughs> he gets the credit for it. Anyways, we can talk about Kubalik. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to talk about Kubalik and Kane and Dabrinkin and a lot of other guys because we're coming to you about an hour or so after the Blackhawks beat the Carolina Hurricanes, which I think a very small number of people would have suggested, and some jackass on the internet said before the game – and I'm going to quote him on this one directly once I find the tweet of what this dumb person said. Uh, gut instinct is telling me that the Hawks may get shellacked tonight. Uh, second game against an opponent that's clearly superior. It feels inevitable. That was from at underscore Dave Melton at 651. Boy, that guy's a fucking moron, ain't he? I thought you were reading <laughs> off my Twitter. No, 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 it was me. <laughs> I, I, I really had the thought that the Blackhawks were going to it, it was going to be an ugly game. It just, um, you know, like you had like some of the players coming back to the lineup on Tuesday. So maybe they were getting a little bit of boost off of that. And also like Carolina getting to see the Hawks once and having like having some film on them and knowing maybe be able to make some adjustments that the Blackhawks wouldn't. So oops, <laughs> but the Blackhawks I mean, won. It's yeah. Good. To be fair, how how are you how are you possibly going to guess that Carolina was going to take four penalties in the first period and Chicago was going to score on three the of them? Blackhawks were going to score three power play goals yeah. in the period. Yes, exactly. Chicago Blackhawks team. I mean, they did it three years ago against the Ottawa Senators, who were barely an NHL team that season. And then all the other times that they did it in the past, it was like 
uh, you know, in the, in the heyday of the franchise. So yeah, it, that was, it was bizarre. It was fun. It was stressful. It was, it was, it was a good hockey night. It was just an overall enjoyable hockey experience. And I guess we don't have to delay it anymore. We can just dive right into it. Uh, Shepard, I'll let come to you first, as I usually do. Uh, just what were your, some of your main takeaways from this game this evening? Uh, the power play is really good, but it runs through Dominic Kubalik now. Um, well, and like, I don't know I, so he's, he's again, like, I think so it I, runs I, through Kane, but Kubalik's like a really big part of it. I th- so IPP, which is individual point percentage, uh, shows like how many points a player has scored with on the goals he's been a part of on ice. So, like, the percentage of the goals scored while that player is on ice that he got a point on. Dominique Kubelik is still at a hundred percent on the season on the power play. Like okay. he, it does not score without him on when, whenever he's on the ice. I think that's a, a, a huge indicator that uh, this guy's a generator. Um, and I think he's doing the thing that the Brinkat did too uh, in the playoffs last season, where the Brinkat was hor- like horrible in terms of goal scoring, not his fault, but he had a real low goal uh, shooting percentage and he's turned into a playmaker and that's absolutely what Dominique Kubelik is doing right now is that he's just becoming an assist guy and it's working. Yeah. And then it looked like he took all his frustrations of the season out on one shot and ended up just blowing it through. Well, not through Reimer, but around him, but scoring a goal on it. Cause he just, he, it was an absolute missile that he unleashed in the, during that onslaught in the first period. Um, but yeah, it, the, the improvement of the power play, is certainly a Kubelik has a massive, massive part of that. And I, I, it does seem like he touches the puck almost every time. Well, he's literally touched the puck every time it scored a goal when he's been out there, but it seems like every time they gain entry, like Kane's always seems like the first guy that gets the puck. And then Kubelik's like, if not second, definitely third. Like he's high on the list of people who get the puck when the Blackhawks enter the zone. Yeah. And that's a spot he's earned. Yeah, I mean, he a 30-goal rookie season is nothing to sneeze at for sure. And uh, there's always the concern that the second time around, other teams are going to get film on him and then maybe he won't be as effective. But it, it's very encouraging, when, like to your point, Shepard, that he found another way to be productive when goal scoring wasn't initially working for him. That is the sign of a well-balanced hockey player and it means he can do more than just score goals, which – it's nice. It's not not a bad thing to have. No, and now he's got eleven points in twelve games. So yeah, I was gonna that. That's something we'll come back to. I was perusing the Blackhawks uh, stats so far this season, and there's they're starting to put up some gaudy numbers. Which you know that that'll happen when you're scoring at the rate the Blackhawks are on the power play, and just in general lately, after not being able to score at all the first week of the season, the not the second week as much, but the third, and I guess we're into the fourth one now, maybe something like that. But last little bit, the offense has come to life a little bit, mainly because of that power play. Uh, Mill, you've been quiet for a while. What what you what have you been seeing or or sticking? What has been sticking out in what you've seen in the last couple of games? So yeah, this power play is definitely spectacular. Uh, no complaints winning with a power play that's going to keep scoring like that. But Carolina's most definitely fast, um, one of the faster teams in the league. I think everybody can agree to that. And they forced the Hawks into a lot of unfavorable spots, five on five. And 
I, I think five on five is something that concerns me because there was a lot of defensive breakdowns in this game. Well, I mean, that is Blackhawks hockey lately. <laughs> defensive breakdowns. I I think it was the Brock McGinn goal, and it felt like it had been a while since they had just left a guy left alone, standing all alone in the slot, and he buried for an easy goal. Well, yeah, but essentially an easy goal. Uh, it felt like it, it hadn't. That was like once or twice a night last season. It felt like it hadn't happened quite as much this season. But um, yeah, th- those defensive breakdowns still happen, I guess. I think the McGinn goal, and then I think it was the second goal of the second period when they scored two in like eight seconds. It was uh, Murphy and uh, Dehan on both of those. And they're both good defensemen, but they can't skate their way out of trouble. They're not fast, especially against a team like Carolina. So that's why I am happy that, you know, uh, Bodan's been playing and Mitchell and hopefully Boquist can come back soon because those guys can skate their way out of trouble. But um, the Hawks five on five, it's like they're not going to be able to make those kind of mistakes and then make up for it, you know, when they're out of position like that. And there's not enough time for certain guys to rotate over and cover. It just isn't happening. Yeah, they're uh, the the five on five thing, and, and we might dive into this in our in an article at secondcityhockey.com at some point this week. But the the Blackhawks are definitely getting uh, maybe propped up. I don't mean maybe that's the right wording for it, but uh, the power play is the reason they've won most of their games this season at five on five. They are not doing that. Well, uh, the power play has been electric and the penalty kills actually been very improved the last week. I think they're up at like, I think 81% now, like roughly 13th in the league based on how games shake out the rest of the night. So as we learned from watching the Edmonton Oilers last season, like a good power play and a good penalty kill can take you. So only so far, and it's not like we're going to sit here and call the Blackhawks a playoff team. That's way, way, way too far ahead of ourselves. But uh, having good special teams can mask a lot of deficiencies that you have at five-on-five hockey. And the Blackhawks certainly have their deficiencies. I mean, if you go to natural stat trick, if you go through all the possession stats, uh, or, or even like the, the basic stats or the possession stats, whatever you whatever's your fancy, the Blackhawks are not in good stead with any of them. I mean, they're at five on five, they're minus eight goal differential, uh, which is, I don't know. I, I can't sit here and count up the rest of the league. So it's probably, but it's probably not good. Uh, the high danger chances, they're low, the expected goals, they're low, the shot attempts, they're low. So right now, everything's great because mainly because of that power play. If the power play starts to regress a little bit, then the wins that and just the points that they've been getting in the last few weeks might not be there anymore. So yeah, for sure. But but as, as you look at the Blackhawks' uh, season stats so far, just like individual players, just looking at who's producing for this team. Uh, Patrick Kane, fifteen points in twelve games, so that that's encouraging. Uh, Shepard mentioned him already. Uh, Kubelik's got eleven points in tw- in twelve games. Debrinkit's only played eight games and he's got 10 points. So that's a massive turnaround so far for him from what he did last season. Matthias Janmark is fourth on this team with eight points. <laughs> and I, I, I looked this up earlier today because it really seems like the Blackhawks are thoroughly convinced that they have something with Matthias Janmark. And I, I was going through his stats and through his career, like they're fine. Like his, his best season output 
was 34 points in 81 games in the 2017-2018 season with Dallas. That's his best rate ever, and that's roughly 0.42 points per game. So right now he's at 0.67 points per game, which, I mean, we'll see if he keeps it up over a 56-game pace, but this is far and above what he has ever produced in his NHL career. However, he's also never really played a top-line or even top-two-line role in his career. He's skating 17.43 per night uh, so far this season. His career average is 15.23, almost a full two and a half minutes more of ice time. So I don't know if either one of you guys have developed any strong opinions on Matthias Janmark yet, but is there more offensive potential here than the Blackhawks seem to think they have or not, or, or what you thinking? I think I think anybody who plays with Patrick Kane is going to get way more points than they probably should. Well, and in this case, that's showing itself. There's a lot of guys that have made very good careers off being a line mate of someone else who was really good. I think Chris yes. Kunitz comes to mind. He had a very good career with Sidney Crosby. Not that he wasn't a fine hockey player himself in his prime, but I mean, I'd get at least 30 points skating with Crosby for 82 games. Yeah. And I'm a little bit upset that he's still getting for what was supposed to be a third line plug sort of minutes. I'm still, I'm, I'm upset that he's getting more minutes than the kids than Pius Suter or uh, especially Philip Kurashev. Yeah. The Kurashev thing, which I don't know if Mill mentioned that before we came on the air or not, but we were trying to figure out the ice time because we're seeing different numbers in different places. The NHL website has Kurashev at 6.56 for the entire game, which seems not great. And then if you go to natural stat trick, they have him at like 7.36. So, I mean, either way, way too freaking low for a guy who has very much impressed in his first uh, 11 or 12 NHL games of his entire career. And he's got six points in 11 games too, despite playing less than I mean, you have to go down to number 17 on the entire team to find a guy that has played less minutes than Kurashev. Yeah. But yet he's got six points in 11 games. So, I, you know, I, I can understand that he's not maybe not getting a ton of special teams time. He's playing on the second power play unit. I don't believe he's been on the penalty kill at all, which is fine. But let, let the kids play. Exactly. That's what this season was supposed to be. Yeah, that, I guess that that's the one concern with the success that they're having is that you lose the forest for the trees and you start thinking, well, maybe – I don't know if that analogy works in that situation, but we're going to run with it anyway. But don't – like, I hope the Hawks don't start thinking they're like a playoff team yet. No. If, if, I tell you what, if you've won like – you know, if you're ho- hovering around the five or six spot in the division and we get to like – late March, early April, then we can talk about it then. But we're still very much in the first week of February, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. There's still plenty of things that can go wrong with this team and very well could. So this long-term goal of playing these kids and letting them develop should still be the number one priority from the season, and playing Philip Kurashev seven minutes is not going to do that. Kubalik's the only quote-unquote kid who broke 15 minutes so like that's Ugh. generally not does, good. Does that include to bring it? Uh, no, but I don't really count the. Well, yeah, yeah, it's it's you forget like he's like this is his fourth season now, but he's still relatively young because he debuted when he was sure. I, but he's gotten the minutes in the league that yeah. we know kind of no, what he can do. Your your point is absolutely fair, and I guess another thing uh, that I, I noticed on the uh, the shift chart and natural stat trick for the game, and I got to scroll down to this to remind myself. I don't remember exactly when. 
the Blackhawks went shorthanded in the third period. Uh, that late penalty kill that turned out to be pretty clutch because they were um, the game was still very much in doubt when that penalty kill occurred. So uh, if they'd given up that power play goal, you know who knows what would have happened. But there was a shift right before that uh, that Ian Mitchell took leading up to that last penalty. And then he went to the bench and never came off. And that penalty occurred at, if I can scroll back enough, this is really good listening for all of It was like 13 minutes into the period. Yeah, it, it was not. It w- There was a substantial amount of time at the end of the game where Ian Mitchell was stapled to the bench. And it was even more time with Bodan. Like Bodan was, before the Blackhawks, when the Blackhawks scored the goal that made it a 5-4 to four game, before that, Bodan took a shift that was his last of the game. So that's you're looking like the last like five six minutes he didn't get a shift, and yeah. Ian Mitchell last three to four minutes of a one goal game, prime development opportunity for your, your young players. He didn't get a shift either. So I know you want to win games. I understand that, but I mean you gave Zadorov three shifts in that time. You gave Dehan three shifts. Keith and Murphy got five shifts at the end. Like. Keith played a half an hour tonight almost. Yeah, he keeps doing that. Same with Kane. But <laughs> like, like, it's unnecessary. Yeah, and especially when Mitchell and Bodan, uh, and Bodan neither of them looked bad. They both they, they they skated great. No, yeah, actually, I've been, like, were, were either of them on ice for goals against? Because I felt like it was the Dahan Murphy line that got scored on every time. And I don't. I've I've been consistently impressed by Bodan's efforts. Yeah. See, Mitchell was not out there for any goals against, and Bodan was out there for one. So, but that wasn't on Bodan. That's when uh, that was that one, the first goal of the second period when they just got caught. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and he, so, the, whoever was with him was totally out. They were out by the blue line. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess where I'm at with this is it's it's something to keep an eye on. Like, you know, maybe the first three weeks of their NHL careers, maybe you, you can argue that you don't want to throw them out there in a one goal game in the last five minutes. Fine. At some point though, you need to give them a chance. Yeah. You, they have to start developing talent. Yeah. So it's just something we'll, we'll, we'll bookmark it for later. Come back to it. And, you know, if we're still having this conversation in March, then it might be a problem, but yeah. uh, I don't want to get too upset because like, as we said at the top, like it was, it was a fun game to watch. And like the Hawks beat a team that we probably did not, uh, think that they were going to beat. So it's, uh, it's encouraging the way also, I think how they won, like they, they got the three, they got the big lead. Thanks to the power play. Carolina scored two goals in eight seconds and everybody went, Oh shit. And then the Hawks kind of hung with them and then got the game winning goal in the third with about six, seven minutes left and then hung on for the win, which I feel like that part at the end, the hanging on for the win is not something they did a lot in recent memory, I feel like they did a lot of blowing late leads and, and either winning via shootout in overtime or losing completely. So that was a very encouraging thing. And I guess right here is where we can transition to what's been the most pleasant surprise of the last week. And probably this entire season is Kevin Lankinen in net and Mill. I'll go to you first. Uh, just go ahead and heap all of your praises upon Kevin Lankinen now. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I kind of joked in the postgame um, the other night about him showing shades of Corey Crawford. And I mean that on the ice and in post-game interview. 
but he really is a positionally sound goaltender, which mm-hmm. is much like Crawford. He doesn't make a lot of flashy saves, but that's because he doesn't have to because he knows where he needs to be to make a save. A lot of times people praise goalies for these crazy looking saves, but it's usually because they sprawl out because they're not where yes. they need to be. This guy, you know, he knows how to play. He's clearly like one of those young prodigy guys. He's not sweating it at the NHL level. Um, and he's played a lot of games now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it, for, for the short season, it's not like they've been, we thought they were going to platoon the guys. And so it's been impressive. And I'll just say that uh, I'm excited to watch him every night, which is something I wasn't sure if that would be or not. So, yeah, like there was always the, he was kind of the wild card, like Dilly and Subban had each played at the NHL level. So there was, I don't want to say they were known quad commodities, but they were more known for sure than, Lankanen was and like every the one thing everyone kept pointing to with Lankanen was that when he got put in the IIHF worlds back in 18 or 19 for team Finland which there's a decent amount of NHL players that usually end up in that tournament whatever teams don't make the playoffs and he was like his goals against average was under two save percentage in the the high 90s like he was electric so so that's very encouraging that he was able to do that at such a high level. And so you always wondered what he would be like if he got to the NHL level. And I think what you're saying, Mill, is spot on that he's, it's just, there's a, there's a quiet confidence with him. Like the stage isn't too big for him. He doesn't get rattled. He doesn't lose his net, which has been my biggest issue with Dealey and Subban in the limited time they've had. And other than maybe giving another guy a look when there's two games uh, on whenever there's a back-to-back, I don't see Lankanen coming out of the lineup unless he completely lays an egg. And even the game tonight, he gives up four goals. The only one I might have a major gripe with is the the second of the goals that were scored in eight seconds because I feel like he could have done better with the rebound control. Yeah, that was he, a bad rebound. Yeah, he just kicked that one right to whichever Carolina player it was. Like, I feel like it, like it, was a st- it looked like it hit him on the stick side. Like, you could get your stick down and either just – tip that up into the net or make sure it goes all the way to the boards, not just kick it out to the other faceoff dot where another player is going to be waiting for it. So, and, and that that's, you know, it ended up in a goal, but that's, he didn't do anything that broke the back of the team, which I, I feel like some of the goals that Delia and Subban gave up in their games were just kind of the back breaking type and really seemed to snuff out any momentum. So, uh, so yeah, uh, again, I think we we talked him about him a good amount last week, and there's nothing he's done in the last week to to diminish any of the the hopes that are building around him. Uh, what about you, Shepard? What are your goaltending thoughts? I mean, I'd like to see one of the other guys once in a while, but like he's been solid. It, I think I think even tonight, like his sub 900 is in part because he probably was not expecting to play as much this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he might not be used to like the sort of rigors of an NHL season yet. And this is a good time to get him used to it, but it, it might be time to like actually use a backup sometimes. Yeah. I I'm sure, I'm sure at some point there's going to be, you know, Dealey and Subban will get their looks again, I think, but this is, this is kind of the situation that you were hoping for at the start of the season is that one of the goalies would play so well that you couldn't take them out of the lineup because they were just too good. So uh, it, like looking at the schedule for February, there is one back-to-back coming up. It's in two weeks, Friday the 19th and Saturday the 20th, both games in Carolina. So I imagine at least one of those games uh, you'll see Lankanen come out. And then 
the first week of March, the fourth and the fifth, which is a Thursday and Friday, they have the back to back against Tampa. And we'll deal with that when we get there because remember what happened the last time the Blackhawks yeah. played Tampa. And we don't want to talk about that now because it's old history. So yeah, I, I, I think overall tonight's game and, and, and I think the Tuesday game too, like they lost to the Hurricanes on Tuesday, but played, you know, they got outshot and outchanced and all those things, but it didn't feel like they were, they weren't going to get run out of the building like they did in the first two games against Tampa, which were just disasters. And I feel like this, the team that you've watched the last two nights, like you can develop talent with the level that they're playing at right now. Again, don't get, don't start talking about playoffs. We'll deal with, if they are doing this in April, then we can talk, but there's a lot to like right now. Yeah. It's, it's hard not to get hyped up about what we're seeing on ice from the Blackhawks over this season. Yeah, especially against Carolina. Like, there's a lot of people that have them as a cup contender, and I I thought I saw a few predictions that had them winning it. So they've got a ton of speed, which was very evident early on in the first game. Uh, they got a ton of talent. Uh, you know, losing Morazic sucks for them because uh, James Reimer is okay as a goal, yeah. but he's not Peter Morazic. Yeah. Although Reimer was a lot better at the start of this season. I mean, Carolina was 5-1 and one coming into this, and they right. had a- – and they allowed the least amount of goals in the league, too. Yeah, yeah, and the Hawks scored six on them. So I think it's encouraging to show that the Hawks' skill level is there. I just think the speed, you know, there's a lot of Yaha moments out there, like, come on, Hawks, you know. But it was just they couldn't skate with them every shift. But the, mm-hmm. the, the skill was there. Yeah, it's, it's an overall encouraging thing. Um, and I, I, I think that's the word of the week, if you will, is encouraging. Like, I, I feel like... I was worried when we were starting the season and especially after the first two against Tampa, the way those two games went that we were going to get to like February, like maybe even by February, certainly by March and April, then I was going to be ripping my eyes out just having to watch this team to write about them and to talk about them on these podcasts. But every time that little things like this happen, you're like, all right, like I can, I can watch this team for 56 games or only 44 more. Now we're already, more than 20% of the way through the season. Yeah. Damn. With 56 games, yeah. Mass sprint. It is, yeah. And, and like, you, you mentioned the sprint thing, and that's where I think, like, some of the other goalies are definitely going to come in because I, I think your point, Shepard, is well, well said that the compressed nature of the schedule this season, they're going to play a lot of games in not yep. a lot of time, more than usual. So that's going to make it much more complicated – uh, not only for goaltenders, but I think for players like up and down the roster, like yeah. I, I, especially some of the young guys that aren't used to playing, you know, three to four games a week. Like if, you know, I, I don't exactly know how the junior schedule works. I know the AHL is primarily weekends, like two or three in like four or five days, primarily on the weekends. I don't know if any of them are used to this. Uh, even the guys that have been in the NHL for a decade probably aren't used to this rigorous of a schedule. So having, a seventh and eighth defenseman available on a 13th and a 14th forward available. Like you're going to need all those guys this season, which hopefully at some point going back to your point mill, hopefully that results in more ice time for some of the younger guys. Like, I don't know if Patrick Kane's going to get a night off and not play, but maybe one night you hold him back maybe to 15, 16 minutes instead of 24 and let Kurashev get a few extra shifts or something like that. I mean, hell, give him a night off. Let him go up and have a cocktail with Seabrook in the press box. Well, no, no. Oh, okay. In the press box. All right. I thought, don't have a cocktail. No, that's exactly what you can't. No, 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 no. In the press box. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Keep an eye on him. 
Right. Let let him go talk. Let him go talk to Kirby and uh, Brent up there. Yeah, that's all I want because you know Seabrook's enjoying himself right now. <laughs> I mean, like I'm I'm sure he wants to be on the ice, but you know he's getting what seven eight million dollars to watch from the. There's I guess there's worse ways to make money. I'm sure there's plenty of columns that will shove that number down on our throat that we can look up. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, I think this is a perfect place to put a pin in this part of our conversation. Uh, we're going to take a quick timeout and we're going to come back on the other side. And uh, for all the fun we just had talking about everything involving with the Blackhawks, um, there's a much different thing going on with the rest of the NHL right now. Well, and it actually involves the Blackhawks too. And uh, it's not as pleasant, but we're, we're, we should probably get into it. And we're going to do that on the other side of this break. So uh, come on back and listen for all of that. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And I guess we're going to take a slightly more somber, more serious tone for, for this portion of the show, just because it's becoming the larger and larger elephant in the room whenever we talk about hockey in general in North America uh, is the ongoing issues with hockey and COVID-19. So uh, for those who did not follow the NWHL that closely, that was the National Women's Hockey League that was trying to have a abbreviated season in Lake Placid, New York. And the essentially COVID-19 got into the bubble, completely wrecked the bubble that they were trying to have. And the whole thing got shut down. Uh, I think like one or two teams, of one or two of the six teams event like couldn't field a roster and they left and then some of the other teams I, I like the four teams that were left they all like went in for games one morning and there was a whole bunch more positive tests and the whole thing got shut down and the NHL has had problems pretty much from the start of this abbreviated season and it's kind of accelerated over the last couple of weeks um this just this last week, this is a tweet from Stephen Wino, who covers the NHL for the Associated Press. So within the last week, this starting on Monday, the Devils got postponed until February 6th, with the, which is this coming Saturday. The On Tuesday, the Buffalo Sabres were shut down. On Wednesday, the Minnesota Wild were shut down. On Thursday, the Colorado Avalanche were shut down. And the one team that's not on that list is Vegas, which was shut down, what, Shepard, like a week ago? Yeah. 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 So you have... There's 31 teams in the league. You have 24 in America. Five of them are not playing right now because of COVID-19 issues. The Blackhawks obviously have had their issues with it. Uh, They had as many as five players on the list and they got two of them back uh, on, uh, excuse me, on Tuesday night. Uh, The Red Wings had like four or five players on the list for the games last weekend. Um, I, I don't know exactly what the number is of how many players are on COVID list right now, but it's not uh, unnoticeable. It's just, it's a problem. And th- there's a lot of, there's, 
like each league situation is different. Like we, we can compare it to like, you know, we did get through an NFL season. We got through a baseball season. Uh, basketball had their bubble that worked out. Danny Chill had their bubble last season that worked out. Um, but, and now the NBA is trying to have a season again and the NHL is trying to have a season again. And it seems like hockey is running into a lot more troubles than other leagues are. And one story that came out about a week ago, and this article is from, or excuse me, this came out January 16th. So this is about two and a half weeks ago. I did not see this article until this evening and started making the rounds on Twitter. The headline is why playing arena hockey can be risky during the pandemic. And they did some research into air quality and how the, how the virus spreads in hockey arenas. And I'm going to try and summarize this as quickly and as briefly as possible without butchering the science. So I encourage all of you to go look up the story yourself. It's at the CBC website, cbc.ca in Canada. Um, but essentially the, the idea is that the virus and in, in other environments, the virus will kind of spread when there's open air, it'll like move around. So it's not in, in high concentrated areas, but the combination of the cold air around the ice and the uh, exhaust fumes from the Zambonis concentrates the air a little bit more, which means that the virus is in higher concentrations on the ice or near ice level. So that player skating around and breathing this air for two, three hours a night might just catch it from playing. There might be more transmission occurring on the ice than happens on a basketball court or on a football field or a baseball field or anywhere else. So, and I don't know where this is going. Uh, neither me nor Mill nor Shepard has uh, any sort of degrees in this field, I don't believe. Right, gentlemen? No. No. So mm. there, there is an element of we, we are just as unknowledgeable about this as a lot of other people. But uh, as people who watch a lot of sports and have won sports come back, um, Shepard, just, just where, what's your thoughts on all of this, on, on where we're going right now? So I think there's a few good news slash bad news, depending on who you are, but the good, good news, bad news items. Um, the NWHL's bubble, it's been reported, uh, especially by SB, SB Nation's Ice Garden, that their bubble wasn't really a bubble. There wasn't, it wasn't as firm, as concrete, like sort of rules as the NHL has. That, that's right. Yes. Um, the NBA is also sort of struggling with it. So it's not just the NHL, but they're struggling with it a little bit less, I think. I... It's, it's totally understandable. There's a reason Fauci, uh, Dr. Fauci has said, come out and said like, hey, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work unless you're in a bubble. And it's totally understandable why the players don't want to be in a bubble long term. Um, yeah. no, that they were fine with it this summer, but they don't want to do it for a season. Because um, they're human beings and want to be with their family. It's, <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a, I find myself yeah. saying I don't know a lot. Yes. It's a, I, it's. I, it's it's and it's unprecedented. We've never dealt with this before. All those stupid cliches you heard in all those goddamn commercials last April. But like we we are there. There's an element of flying blind into this for the NHL because you know they had their season in a bubble, their postseason in a bubble last summer, and now you're trying to have a an abbreviated schedule. But you like the bubble thing, as you said, Shepard, isn't going to work again. So yeah, it's like. I don't know how this works long-term or like, I don't know the, the, the best way to make this work going forward just because like 
I think one of the issues, and we were talking about this before we came on Aaron and Mill, and I'll, I'll ask you, we'll probably touch on this when I come to you in a second, but like there was there, all the studies that about uh, transmission outdoors is much lower than it is indoors. And then plus all of the, the factors of the cold ice and the pollutants from the, or the exhaust from the Zambonis complicating things further. So it's really hard to compare hockey to like football or baseball, which had, uh, you know, football got their entire season in baseball. Oh, yeah. Well, after the Super Bowl Sunday, they got their entire season in without any effects. Baseball had I'm, an abbreviated season, but got through it. What were you going to say, Shepard? I, I doubt. I disagree with the without any effects. Baltimore well, yeah. kept feeling effects, and then the Denver Broncos had to play a game without a quarterback. Yeah. Well, the Bears have had to play 30 years without a quarterback. So. <laughs> I didn't go back that far. You and Jim McMahon both in the, within the last Shepard, 30 years. That was 30 years ago. Oh, uh, Jim McMahon hasn't played like 1990. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, 1991. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, but yeah, like they, they were able to like, they were able to get to the finish line and I'm not telling you the hockey's going to have to shut down and not play at all, but there's just, there's a lot of bad things happening right now. And baseball had a huge issue at the start of the season too. I think it was the Miami Marlins, like their whole team went out to a bar and then like spreads like three other teams or whatever. Like there, yep, there was a massive problem with that. Um, so, so there's that. Uh, but before I, I, I've been talking too much, so Mill, I'm going to come to you and just get your initial thoughts while I gather mine about uh, the rest of this. Uh, yeah. Well, I think like you guys said, like we don't really know. Every, I mean, on our end, all we can do is be as safe as possible and um, try to be courteous to each other. But uh, coming from a sports background, it's like when you play any sport, you know, hockey or whatever, there's a lot of close contact breathing on each other. There's a lot of, it's gross. They're spitting, you know, and then you're in the locker room with each other. So it's a really hard um, thing to like socially distance when you're playing sports. Right. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not easy. So I, these things are going to happen, hopefully not too much more, but I, I mean, it, it's hard because you don't want to not play. I mean, obviously as fans and, and doing podcasts and blogging, we want to see it, but these guys, that's their livelihood. And a lot of guys, mm-hmm. especially in the NHL, some of these young guys, that's their living. You know, they don't have money to live off of. Yeah. As crazy as that sounds. Yeah. And, and, um, like, and, and, and like the NHL guys are one thing, but like some of the AHL guys that are not making six, six, seven digits and they're getting prorated salaries that weren't already that great to begin with. And like, there's been several stories that have come out. Several reporters have talked to AHL guys that are like paycheck to paycheck and they're not getting that paycheck anymore. So, yeah, totally. So it's all like, and same thing with like AAA and baseball and things like that. Um, It's very, it's hard, you know, people don't really look at sports like that all the time, but it's reality to it. So for, for me, I'm just hoping that everybody can be as safe as possible. I know it's going to set back the schedule a little bit, but for me, it's like, if there's games missed or something happens with the season, I'm not going to worry about it in a selfish way too much because, you know, we want safety, safety first, of course. So yeah, see what happens. Yeah. I like that's, I think that's the thing I keep coming back to. Like we can't, you, you can't force this season to happen. Like, like there, if, if you don't do the pandemic, right, like you will, like this league can get shut down. Like the players have to buy in to everything. And, um, it's, Oh, it's, it's very, it's an incredibly difficult situation. What was, do you guys know the name, the Minnesota wild prospect? I think it was Rossi, his name. 
Yeah, Marco Rossi. Marco He's Rossi. still struggling did. with effects. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's the one thing I keep coming back to, like, you know, like, daily life just is a risk now. Like, the only way to really avoid the virus is to stay home by yourself and to not see anybody. That's really, like, the only way to be completely risk-free. I mean, even little things just like going to the grocery store have an element of risk. And so, like, all these players that – like the league did give opt out options. So all these players did their risk risk reward benefit and decided it was worth it to play. I don't think there were any opt outs for the season to my knowledge. Were there? Uh, there was one AHL guy who hadn't played that many games, Casey Nelson from Buffalo, but okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I, I didn't see any, like I remember there were a few opt outs from the postseason that they did last summer, but this time around I didn't remember any opt outs. So like all the players decided the risk at least that level of risk was worth it. But I think that the big problem right now is that the NHL is doing its own players a disservice because what happened with the Sabres last week, apparently the New Jersey, uh, the New Jersey devils were having an outbreak and basically still had this game. Uh, like the Sabres players found out that there was an outbreak happening within the New Jersey organization. And the Sabres were very wary about playing on Sunday they'd already played one game and uh, the Sabres were not really thrilled about the idea of playing them a second time with this outbreak going. And the Sabres ended up playing that game. And now the Sabres are shut down for a week because they're having their own COVID issues. So I think this is the problem overall is that either the league is not doing it properly or they don't give a shit and neither answer is a good one. And it's, it's kind of – I feel like it's indicative of the entire problem in the country is that the people at the very top either aren't handling it properly or don't give a shit depending on what industry or government institution you're talking about. So – and the pe- it's the employees at the bottom that get – are the ones that get are getting exposed everywhere to all of this. So I, I think that's my – the biggest gripe right now. And now the, uh, the Sabres head coach – has tested positive for the virus. So I, th- I think I th- he's like the second head coach so far on the NHL to test positive because Vegas is still missing their head coach. Yeah. So it's just, if you're going to put these protocols in place and like, say you're going to do all these things, well then fucking follow through on them. So your you know, your league doesn't have an yeah. outbreak like they're having right now. I think exactly. that's, that's my biggest gripe right now is that, you know, like people are going to get like people in the NHL are going to get the virus. Like that's going to happen. I, I, I've covered high school and college sports through all of this. And I, I've covered uh, high school teams that got shut down. I like one team that I will be my lasting memory of this whole story. They were like a, like a 20 and 10 volleyball team. And the day of their first postseason game, their entire varsity roster, except for like one girl, they all got put into quarantine because of like they sat next to a student in class that tested positive. So their whole varsity roster got put into quarantine. They had to send basically their JV team for a playoff game, and they lost to a team that they never would have lost to if they'd had their full roster. And basically, so the like people are going to get exposed. People are going to get test positive. Like that's just going to happen. But when you have shit like this, when you have one team saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't be playing this game against those guys because those guys are having issues, and they go through with the game anyway, that's the problem. The, the negligence is the problem. 
I understand yeah. if you want to have this hockey season. I, I, I hope they are able to get the season underway. But if you're going to have protocols, fucking follow. <laughs> right. And I think people are questioning how extreme the Washington Capitals uh, punishment was uh, two or three weeks ago now um, when they broke protocol. Yes. And now and now it's very easy to see why. And also two of those guys are still out because they probably have probably tested positive. Yeah. And, and that's like you have these protocols in place like it's one thing if, a, you know, a guy goes out to a bar and, and you know, test positive because of his own stupidity. The, the problem with this particular virus, and this has been like I like the problem. I don't know. Like you guys have like if you have anybody in your family that is older and, and higher risk based, based on age or other health things like. I'm relatively younger, so I feel like I, I, I might be okay if I catch it. I don't think I have. I've had three tests and haven't tested positive yet. But I'm not worried about myself. I'm more worried about bringing it to somebody else and them getting sick or worse because of it. And I think the same principle should apply in the like to everybody in this country, in this world. But that's another debate for another podcast. But like, if a guy goes out to a bar and brings it back to his locker room, and his head coach gets it, and something happens to him, or God forbid, like a teammate, like Marco Rossi, I don't know where he got it from. Is it Marco Rossi? Yeah, it's Marco Rossi. Okay, thank you. Uh, but like, if you bring it to a teammate that happens to have like some sort of like asthma or something, some other pulmonary issue, and they have. You know, you end their career because you brought the coronavirus to them. Like, like shit like that can happen. You know, I I know it's the odds might be low, but the fine, though, for Washington, I think you have to go that route because it's no secret. Like professional athletes break the rules of the team all the time. These guys are going out to bars and strip clubs. I mean, like, you know, they paint them as these, you know, do-gooders. But a lot of the guys are human and they go out and they break rules. But this isn't something you can do that with because it affects a lot more than just you, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there's there, there's things that you, like everybody across the board has had to sacrifice in their social lives and otherwise because of this. And NHL players are no different, so. Um, Maybe I just, just stupider. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> are, have you talked to people, Mill? I mean, you know. <laughs> when you when you leave school at 14 to go play in the queue well like this this brings me back to a george a famous george carlin quote is like think of how stupid the average person is and well, realize that half of people are dumber than that person yeah that's what happens that's, yeah george carlin was a g Man. huge sky point <laughs> so uh so yeah I, I guess the uh the whole uh to, to put a bow on this segment is uh if you have protocols, just follow them and enforce them. Yep. And maybe we'll get through this season and have everybody play 56 games and nobody's careers and health will be affected by it. And if we don't play 56 games, that's not the end of the world because that's what the point percentage is for. Yeah. The, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm with this season. I'm where I was with uh, the summer uh, return to play thing is any hockey I get, I will take. Uh, I'm not expecting more than that, but I, I remember how March, April, and May were just so dull. Like with the, I, I, I feel like sometimes maybe you put too much of a reliance on sports for entertainment, but it's what I like to watch. I can, I can only watch so many shitty reality TV shows. Like I need some sports that is a different version of reality TV, I guess. I'm with you. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, to end this on a much more positive note, uh, last year, aka 2020, which 
was what, like five years ago at this point, it feels like. But anyway, uh, we were starting to do food takes at the end of our podcast. And uh, I don't remember if we just uh, what happened to them. Like we, we well, we took a long break and, and and Brandon moved on. So I think like things got jumbled a little bit. But Shepard and I were talking and we wanted to bring these back. And Mill uh, is familiar with the this whole idea. And apparently he has a lot of food thoughts himself. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to turn the floor over to Mill. We're going to let him say something, uh, offer his food take for this episode, and then Shepard and I will either yell at him or agree with him. So, Mill, the floor is yours. All right. So, originally, because I have a lot of these, I was going to go with something pizza-related, but that's kind of over-the-top boring I, and overdone. I think so, I, I think we, we killed a lot of the pizza ones last year, too. So Yeah. So, I decided I'm going to, I'm going to throw this at the wall, and you guys tell me what you think. But I think most people know how to make a grilled cheese, right? Okay. Yeah. But for me, the proper way that you make a grilled cheese is before you make it, you have to make like the burger sauce that you'd put on a patty melt, like a Thousand Island dressing type sauce. Okay. And then you put that on the inside of each piece of bread. Then you have to do like at least two different cheeses. I like like a Swiss in there. And then I'll do jardinier. Uh, you can do some kind of bacon if you want. And then like uh, tomatoes, peppers, whatever. And that's how you have to do it. You can't just go straight cheese. But the All sauce right. makes it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. But now you're just making basically either a vegetarian Reuben or a Reuben where you substitute uh, bacon for corned beef. Yeah, what you have there is a sandwich. Well, yeah, it's just no, a sandwich. No, no, but, but you're, you're, no, you're but making – if you put – you're you making a – it's a panini. You made a panini. That's a panini. Okay, but hear me out. Hear me out. When you use that mayo-based sauce, like a lot of people use mayo on the outside instead of butter. Uh-huh. But it almost seeps through and combines with the butter and it fries better. Okay. I, I gotcha, but I, I'm still just like, I mean, I, I, at some point you don't do grilled cheese. Like if you put too much shit on it, it's not yes. grilled cheese anymore. Yes. This, Gr- this like has grilled become cheese the conversation is, of is, at what point is grilled not, cheese no longer grilled cheese. bread and cheese. And right. I don't know. I've been, to, I've been to some restaurants and that's how they make grilled cheese with, with more shit on it. But well, like yeah, those okay. are called sandwiches. Yes, that's a sandwich. At one <laughs> well, point, at one point, well, does a grilled cheese become a sandwich? That that's the. Well, I think the whole title of a grilled cheese is a grilled cheese sandwich, isn't it? Yeah, but like yes. the ingredients are bread and cheese, and then like butter, or whatever the outside. Butter, like, yeah. I would here. Here's where I would draw the line. If you put any sort of meat or vegetable on it, yes, then it becomes a sandwich. I I right, like you gotta I try, like your Thousand you gotta, Island take. But after, but the additions after that are that yeah. that's no longer a grilled. I'll cheese. let you slide with the Thousand Island, but yeah, you. I thought you said bacon at one point. I'm like, no, that's a bacon and cheese. <laughs> well, thing. well you know what it is, is like, if you have like the bacon bits, like this, that's like fake that uh-huh. you can sprinkle on. I throw that the fake ones. I throw on shit all the time because I don't eat meat, but um, it's I, I like have a whole drawer full of seasonings, and I just kind of go crazy. So. Well, like, Fair yeah, seasoning's fine. Like seasoning's all, all fine. seasonings and things like that. Yeah, go for it. But I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing the line at. As only well, you said, like tomatoes, like I, like because those are pretty substantial sized things. So you can dice them. Um, but here, here's the deal, though. You got to use mayo to fry shit. I know it sounds weird, but it just does it better. Now, I mean, it's it's olive oil and eggs. They both fry really well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But it also is tasty and full of calories. That's fine. We're, we're, we didn't ask for healthy food takes. 
Although, no. although with like Shepard talking about a vegan and vegetarian lifestyle in this past, and Mill, you said you don't eat meat, so I feel like I'm going to yeah. be the degenerate here because uh, I'm I'm full carnivore. So. I've been locked in the house for like a year. You think I've been eating healthy? <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of carbs in a vegetarian diet. There's right. also a lot of drinking. <laughs> True. Yeah, beer's vegetarian, right? Yep. I guess there's no steak in it. Oh, there's no chicken in it either i mean yeah it's like uh sofritas there we go okay well uh, all right well that, you know Mel, that was that was a good start i i i uh i wasn't like I, i'm glad to see you immediately adopt the food take segment i guess that's what we'll call it the food take segment but yeah yeah but apparently i need to like go on wikipedia and read what a grilled cheese is I, I just, I, okay, but it's a, it's a, I think it's a pot. It's like, it's becoming like the sort of indie, like, is a hot dog a sandwich sort of conversation? Is what, at what point does a grilled cheese stop being a, stop, stop being a grilled cheese and become a sandwich? What if you put a hot dog in your grilled cheese? Then it's a sandwich. Oh, it's definitely a sandwich. <laughs> oh, that is definitely a sandwich. <laughs> Am I kicked off the podcast now for this? No, I'm just <laughs> no you can take it oh. over because I'm leaving. Oh God! Okay. Well, hey, we won six to four, so let's end on a high note. They got two points tonight. Yeah, actually, I go should on. leave now. It's 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 all downhill from here. Go Hawks! They won. Yeah, <laughs> the power I mean, play looks fantastic. It continues to look fantastic. Uh, the goalie's good. The power play is fantastic. Uh, everything's coming up, Millhouse. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's let's put a bow on this because welcome, welcome Thrillhow. I, I'm I'm looking forward to future food takes now because I feel like they're going to start going longer and longer and longer, and eventually we're just going to become a food podcast instead of a Blackhawks one. But we'll that we'll we'll worry about that in the off season. Uh, but thank you very much for listening to this Flavor episode, town, baby. Huh? Trying to get a try to wrap it up, Bill. <laughs> Jeez, thank you. Sorry for listening to this episode. Amusings at Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, I am at underscore Dave Melton. Shepard is at under or no no underscore. He is at Shepard Price on Twitter. Mill is at Mill one eighty two on Twitter. You can follow the Second City Hockey account at two nd city hockey. Visit our website secondcityhockey.com with Mill on board and two other writers that are also doing a phenomenal job. We've got a whole bunch of content for you to read all about the Blackhawks. So please visit the site, drop down to the comments, join in the conversation. Uh, it's a lot of good stuff. And uh, you'll find a lot of us there a lot of the time as well. So thank you again for listening to this episode for Shepard, for Mill. I'm Dave. And as always, go Hawks. <laughs>